Welcome to Ghosts of Film. We're back. It's May 10th, 2011. 2011, and this is Ghosts of Film. Which episode is this? Ghosts of Film, the first episode of 2011. <laughs> the first episode of 2011. That's Happy New way. Year, everybody. Happy <laughs> New Year. We are back. We did not die in a fire. Or as a, a, uh, rumors may have said. Or a tsunami. Unfortunately. Too soon. <laughs> or an earthquake. No. Uh, or a hurricane. Or a tornado. <laughs> or flooding. <laughs> or a flock of locusts no, eating yeah. us. Or anything. Or any other biblical uh, plague. Yeah, so we're back because we've been doing real stuff, people. Other than oh, podcasting. man. It's been quite a, uh, quite a, how long has it been? A year. Seven months. <laughs> Eight months a long since our time. last podcast. It's been a long, it's been <laughs> October no, I think Halloween. Yeah, so however long that is. Oh Christ! Yeah, what but we we've time. been busy with school, with work, and uh, some of us have work. actually been working on actual films other than just ghost of film. A real film. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, would you like to uh, tell our lovely listening audience what you have been up to in your uh, in our time of absence? We have quite a few. Uh, Impressive uh, additions to your resume, don't you? Well, I don't want to say too much, but I have been working as a production assistant on a few things, on a film and a big HBO television program. That's HBO, all I'll say. I can't, I can't really say much more because in my contract, I'm actually not allowed to talk about what happens and what goes on. So I don't want to say it in front of the whole world. So we're not going to say that this <laughs> HBO program is... Uh, Several award-winning, uh, worthy programs. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's an award. Year I'm not saying the, it's award-winning uh, debuted like old-school show or anything. That like debuted that. under the uh, the watchful hand of uh, Mr. Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I mean, that guy might be involved. It actually, says in my letters that I'm not even supposed to say that Scorsese's involved, but whatever. Well, let's rephrase <laughs> that then. It might possibly have something to do with the. Uh, the director of Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, not saying his name or anything. No, I mean, I didn't say a name. Did you hear a name? No, no, I didn't hear a name before. I thought I said someone just scored. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so not saying you're working on anything to do with that, but, yeah. Mm. Maybe it's not not that. Maybe it's not that. Or is well, it's it? definitely not true below. <laughs> It's not True Blood. Let's just put it that way. Just, <laughs> so you could, you could narrow it down from all the other HBO series. It's not any show that's not set in the 1920s. <laughs> yes, that's true, too. You could say that, maybe. Uh, true. Anyway, yeah. congratulations on that gig. That is definitely uh, definitely one of the peaks, I guess you could say, and uh, best of luck in the future of that, for sure. Sure thing. Sure thing. All right, and other than that, you've also been busy working on some uh, musical projects, I hear. That is correct. Uh, it was a long winter, we'll say that. So, long winter. Uh, it was a long winter out here in uh, Very long, a terrible winter, probably the worst uh, winter of it all was time. Horrible. Since 98. So depressing, <laughs> so cold, so much snow. Ugh. Well, the good thing now about having a real full-time job is we actually got snow days this year. That's good. So uh, that contributed to... It's uh, like school all over again. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, wow. 
It's like being treated like a child. Oh, yeah, work is closed tomorrow because <laughs> yeah. it's a snowstorm. In Manhattan, there's no such thing as snow days, let me tell you that, as far as school uh, goes. I mean, it was like a paid day off, so I can't really complain too mm, much snow that days. That is pretty but, good. Uh, I will say it was a long winter, so in order to keep myself from going insane, uh, you know, from not being able to be outdoors or do other things, no baseball, obviously, in the winter, unless you go down to the uh, the winter league in, like, uh, Dominican Republic or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I revisited an old uh, musical project of mine under the uh, pseudonym of H.W. Uh, Memoirs of a Zombie Apocalypse, which was an album I first unleashed in the year 2008. Uh, and what I decided to do was just reinvent the entire album because obviously uh, that recording to my current standards was not nearly up to par. But obviously I have... We have obtained uh, a lot better recording equipment than those early days. So uh, I really wanted to try. I've tried to like redo old songs before, and I never really got them to be the way I wanted them to be uh, because, you know, you fall in love with a certain thing that you create, and you don't – and you try and make it better, and, like, you realize, like, the original, like, nothing is going to beat that. But I tried to, uh, to try and reinvent and not go necessarily note for note uh in the album remake if you will but more tried to like reinvent it based on the uh the old album so i am pleased to announce that as of last week or a couple weeks ago the album has officially been released <laughs> and now this is going to be an unconventional release for us cuz it's not a physical packaging product unlike its predecessor yeah, and, I, I have uh, to say we're actually now doing something that everyone does. We usually did something that no one did, which is make a package we're just material, jumping on the bandwagon of all these other groups package out there. material and offer it online, which so many requests for our stuff. That's one of the reasons why we're about to make an even bigger announcement. Uh, the main reason being we had a contact page up on uh, you know ghostoffilm.com, www.ghostoffilm.com. Uh, contacts page, which many of you, I assume, have visited because we've had an overwhelming amount of inquiries for our previous work, which we yeah, said we would give it away was, for free. It was it. getting kind of expensive, like <laughs> giving out all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, to a point, like it's you know, at first it's like, oh yeah, we definitely want people. We had like a bunch of backstock. Oh, we definitely want people to experience this, especially the way we package it, the artwork, all that goes into it. Because eventually, we open up our. Uh, graphic design solutions consulting firm. We want people to have a firm grasp on what they can expect from us. But uh, like you said, I mean, ink gets expensive, the shipping. I mean, we gave everything away. Like, we even paid for the freaking shipping. Like, that's how cool we are. Mm -hmm. But uh, so we had to do away with that. I mean, if anyone's out there that really, really wants something, like, give us a shout. Uh, Free at ghostoffilm.com. You can email us at that. Uh, but for now, would you like to make the announcement good, sir? Yes, yes. For now, you will be able to download all download. of our albums on ghostoffilm.com. www.ghostoffilm.com slash downloads. Slash downloads. It's very simple. Ghostoffilm.com slash downloads. And you can get all of our past material. Yes. Uh, you can get starting from our first release all the way to our most recent. Yes, and the reason why we're doing this is, one, we want everybody who's interested in our work to, if they have the time and desire to, experience our evolution 
into the creative minds we have become today. Because I'd say since 2007, when we first started this whole shindig, we've come quite a far away. Yeah. Listening to our older stuff, you may be surprised at the horribleness of the quality. <laughs> the horrible quality. So, okay. like, <laughs> chances are you'll listen to it, think it's terrible, and then everyone else and the other ones. Like, wow, but, uh, my ears just bled. Yeah. My headphones are ruined. But uh, it's gotten better, I'd say, around the American Beauty Syndrome. Started to get a little better. Yeah. I say machines pretty good, and then psychotic lyrics maybe the best quality out of all the albums. Yeah, I'd say that, and then whatever we create after that, just because you know, obviously we've uh, procured newer technology, we have gotten better at recording. We we are self taught recordists. We didn't yeah. go to class to learn how to record music. We just started fucking around one day, <laughs> and it, we loved doing it, and we stuck with us, and we just kept trying new things and. Trying to add on to things we learned. I mean, that's how we built the website, too. We didn't take any classes in web design. We just fucking nope. built this shit. I would say, I think it looks pretty damn good for no never classes. I mean, but... no coding skills, no nothing. I mean, built with our own bare hands from scratch. We've only been recording for, like, you know, three or four years. So it exactly. sounds pretty good for that amount of time. No classes or anything, so. And as we, uh, you know, evolve in our procurement of recording materials and instruments and that the quality is only going to get better so yeah you can experience our I'm, sh- I'm sure this will sound desire. absolutely terrible compared to anything yeah i really <laughs> would not recommend downloading anything from circus for silence just because yeah yeah the quality is definitely like yeah. it's listenable quality now it's we barely still have, we, li- barely listenable well, <laughs> i say now we're listenable quality we still we still have we still we still have a plateau to reach but well, now we'll we're piquing everyone's curiosity, like, oh, I want to see how bad it is. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead and download that. Please. It might be funny, actually. You might yeah, actually you might show lie. your friends, like, oh, look how bad this is. Like, oh, look, look at these guys. But uh, another reason why we're doing this, too, is because, uh, you know, obviously, one day in the future, we're going to be either famous, <laughs> successful filmmakers <laughs> and or musicians. And uh, why not give our stuff away for free, build our fan base from the bottom up, so that way when we can't give away our stuff for free anymore because the man tells us we can't, then uh, you guys can hopefully still support us, knowing that we took care of you in our early years. Yeah, our very early years. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out ghostoffilm.com slash downloads. And uh, they're all in zip files, and also all of the downloads contain original album art, too, because we... Obviously, yeah, album they're art big is a on album art, exactly. and they're all in high quality PDFs. So no, so actually, to rephrase the newest, the newest one, one is a, sorry, is a PDF like interactive PDF. booklet. Sorry about that. that yes, I create. Yes. Sorry. And then uh, the rest of them are just JPEG images of the album pages, but they're all but like, they're full full quality, superior no. quality. Although they are JPEG, so there's a little bit of loss if you zoom in like really close to like letters, it'll look blurry. Yeah, but. but... Yeah, it's not like it's uh, basically what they're created on anyway. Well, yeah, right? I mean, it's not like uh, if you rasterize the text. I mean, uh, if you work in like a vector program for the text, like, and then you save it as a JPEG, like, it wouldn't show up anyway. So, I mean, hopefully, like three of you just knew what I just said, but maybe <laughs> not. So rasterization. <laughs> so yeah, definitely download that. You get all the artwork, all the good stuff. So uh, it's just a click away. So what are you waiting for? It's free. <laughs> Is to click with. There's no viruses. I mean, it's all just zip files of high quality or whatever quality at the time we're dealing with, <laughs> MP3s uh, and uh, JPEG or PDF images. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have any idea how to download a zip file, don't worry. There's a help section on the downloads page. A link to the help section, 
and I actually wrote out a step-by-step instruction. So you pretty much your grandmother could download yeah. uh, from our site. I'm so. sure if you know how to download a podcast, though, you know how to use zip Yeah, file. it's a pretty <laughs> safe assumption. I, I would definitely say that as well. <laughs> but we cater to all. <laughs> we cater to all, regardless of a year. You could not even know what a computer is and probably still be able to follow the instructions. Yeah. So we like to cater to all of our mm-hmm. fan base, all six of you. So we appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's a big announcement. So I'm glad you guys could uh, be in for that. So uh, definitely check it out and download as much as you want. Yeah, it's free. So no viruses. We're not trying to. Yeah, so we are, we don't fuck around like that. This is just straight up. I want you to experience. What can you lose from downloading some stuff? You have some stuff to listen to on the weekend or something, you know? Yeah, what do you have to lose? Why wouldn't you download something that's free? <laughs> and if you want to, if you're not sure if you're going to like it or not, you can still go. We have all of our Song. songs up for, like, they're streaming on yeah. YouTube or whatever. I don't know if you call that streaming. but eh, it's stuck through streaming. You can go to our Listen Watch section. Click on any album, and then you can listen to all the songs on one page yep. as, like, YouTube uh, video clips. Mm-hmm. So if you want to sample before you download, if you're not sure if you want to waste the, the space on your hard drive for the download, <laughs> yes. so you can sample it first. Uh-huh. All right. You pick it. Cool. All right, uh, let's get into talking about actual films. Yes, it's been a while since we actually talked film, hasn't it? It has. It's been, I don't know how many months. And speaking of film... There actually is another addition to the website that was actually added, I'd say, December, uh, end of December, early January. Uh, what we used to have was just the film catalog section chronicalizing, if that's a word, our uh, <laughs> own individual efforts in film. Which, soon enough, there will be new additions. Yes, yeah, so that's yeah. another thing, too. Daniel has uh, been hard at work. On some uh, a lot more films actually, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. basically doubling what we have now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, stay on, stay on watch for that with some school films and other yeah, other stuff, films and stuff too that are, I've seen and are quite brilliant. And I'm very excited for the uh, the rest of us to uh, award winning. I have my awards too. right here. Award winning, yes, they are award winning, <laughs> film festival worthy and award winning. So we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on that mm-hmm. as soon as he gets me the uh, materials to. Right. I will help. Uh, and we also now we also have uh, f- film reviews. Yes, we have critiques of films. Yes, we have uh, films we've seen in theaters. Yes, and last but not least, our top ten list for every year since two thousand and six. Yes, now this is a tradition that we have personally exchanged with each other without any, with no. Uh, Motives other than just to show the other what their favorite films of the year. We don't want to show it to share it with everybody, but now we figure we have a website. Why not? You know, we're talking about films. Why not chronicalize our top ten of each year? That's that word again. Yeah, trying to add it to the dictionary if it's not already there. All right, so I think in uh, in this podcast, you know, Happy New Year again to everybody. Happy New Year, and uh, we're gonna kick off the first podcast of the new year. With the top ten films of each of our lists mm-hmm. for the year okay. 2010. How do you want to go about this? Do you want to go say them all See, first, think, or do you want to do them? when we first did our first? Yeah, podcast, I want to do it a little differently. I think we kind of went back and forth, like five, four, three, two, yeah. one, like five, five, four, yeah, yeah. four, three. 
kind of yeah, a little annoying. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Maybe uh, obviously we don't plan on anything. Everything we do here is a spontaneous spur. We don't actually plan any of this out. Yeah, that's... so we kind of make up stuff on the fly. So let's discuss this quickly. Would you like me to present my list or you to present your list first straight through? Yes. And then we'll touch on you know each movie and then maybe the if the other has it on their list as well, they can chime in with something. But then the next person who goes will only fill in the uh, the films they don't share. Yep, sure. I'll start, off, I'll start off with mine. Sounds good. And uh, I just want to say that these are only out of films we have seen from the year 2010. Yes. And that's... officially are 2010 films. So if there's something not on here, like, oh, why didn't you put that there? It's well, probably... why didn't you put the white ribbon there? That came out last <laughs> year in two February or March of 2010. How could you not include that film? Uh, yeah, so if we haven't seen it, well, sorry. And, well, <laughs> technically, the way it works is we typically we see everything except with the ex- very, very few exceptions. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like a film like The White Ribbon last year counted for our 2009 list because technically it was a 2009 release film, meaning it was eligible for the award season in 2009. Yeah, that's usually what we go by. Yes. And we usually try to make up the lists before any kind of big Oscar nominations. So yes. we're not tainted. We try our best, exactly. Yeah. Uh, by that. So, yes. uh, Although there, this year there is one exception. To the uh, also too, the films have to be seen in theaters for the most yeah, part. For the most part, there are they've been two exceptions the entire. How many years have we done this? Four, uh, five, nineteen. Our fifth year. Yeah. In the five years of doing this, there's been two exceptions, and one is this year. Yeah. And we will let you. And the know other one a little bit later was on. the proposition. Have anyone seen that film? Yes, that was a great film. Guy, uh, Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, sir. Would you like to kick off your? 2010 top 10 films yeah. list. My 2010 top 10. I like the Here ring of that. All right. Yes. At number 10, I have the Sofia Coppola film Somewhere. Ah, yes. At number 9. Hey, 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 let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, talk a little bit why you included Somewhere on your list. Oh, we're not just going to go straight down? Just no, like, no. Uh, we're going to talk okay, about okay. each one. And then, uh, and then like when I go, like if we have the same ones, I'll just, I won't go any further. We already have talked about it. Okay. So. Yeah, so I put somewhere on my list because uh, I really liked the character's movement through the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those films that pretty much is always on one character, like a character study type picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually thought Stephen Dorff, right, the uh, actor who plays the main character, uh, I actually thought he was really good in the, in the film. And I, I mean, I've seen Stephen Dorff and other stuff, and I always thought he was, eh. Because yeah, he's yeah. never really in anything that's really that really good. He doesn't carry a picture by himself, yeah, typically. Yeah, typically. But uh, he was actually really good in this. And I, he, he was really be- extremely believable in the part, because he was kind of playing a guy that maybe he could be. Because hmm. uh, the, the movie's about a guy who's a movie star. Right. And all these action-type movies. It seems like he's in some pretty bad movies, but he's like the he's like the action Jason Statham type star of those movies. Yeah, he seems as though he's like the lead. In yeah, like, but he he's not in like anything yeah. that's like of great critical acclaim. Yeah, exactly. And he's kind of, he's kind of like going through the motions at this point, mm-hmm. and as you know, he's seen it all. He's uh, seen the the women, the drugs, right, and all this right, stuff like exactly. that. And it's basically a movie about him trying to connect with his daughter, who he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have the strong relationship with. Not. Not just mostly because he just ha- doesn't see her very often, and right. 
due to his schedule and yeah. lifestyle. He he tries to be a uh, a good father, but might not know how because doesn't yeah, really have that's the experience. A great way to She's kind of dumped in his lap for uh, you know reasons mm-hmm. divulged in the film, and uh, yeah, it's about his journey and their journey together. And also, one of the things I really liked about it too was the it kind of followed a a parabola, if you will, of noise throughout the film. The mm-hmm. film starts off uh, actually starts off With a little noise, bit louder, yeah. I guess. But then it, there's parts that are like are very quiet and it's intentional. And then like stuff like is happening and like more stuff is happening. And then it gets quiet again. Mm-hmm. And like you'll see why in the film there's like l- different separate lulls that kind of like go that kind of follow his life, which is interesting the way it's, it's very observational. Yes. And, uh, it is a character study observing the character. And I really think it's a uh, really well done. It's just like an, an interesting look at, uh, this, this person. I agree. And although it's not on my top 10 list, it was very, it was mm-hmm. very close to making the cut. Oh yeah. There's a lot of films in here that didn't make the list that we both think right. were really great. Last films. year was actually, 2010 was actually a pretty good year in film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And even started off earlier on too, like yeah. some years, like uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, this I year. mean, there was a particularly great film that's <laughs> not on my list that is actually on Andrews that uh, is I think is actually really good, but just barely yeah, didn't make exactly. List. I don't want to say it yet until he does his. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll go move on pretty quickly here. All right, um, number nine. Number nine. Yeah. I went kind of I don't know a little bold choice I think for my number nine, which is uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Ah, uh, the Edgar Wright film. Yes, yes, yes. All right, all right. And the reason I put this here is because um, I think it needed – I think it was a film that took me by surprise. And even though I'm a big Edgar Wright fan, mm-hmm. uh, it took me by surprise because it, it's a comic book adaptation and it's kind of like a video game movie half, yes. halfway between the two. But it was really well done on both counts. Uh, and it was I found it actually to be the funniest movie I think I saw last year as far as like pure mm-hmm. – Things I saw and I laughed at, <laughs> uh, because it was original, like an original comedy, which yeah. was very different than you would usually see, and it was refreshing, very different and refreshing. That's why I felt like I had to be on my list. It needs some kind of recognition because of the type of film that it was. Very true. Uh, I also thoroughly enjoyed the film, although a lot of times when I see films or think about them afterwards, I always have trouble. Always have trouble. When there's a particular actor or actress in it who I just loathe beyond. Ugh. And Michael Sarah, unfortunately, because he started off as a brilliant character on Arrested Development, has become an actor who I loathe anything I see with him in it. Just because he's such a one-dimensional, boring, monotonous, dry humor, tries to be in a band guy... <laughs> I won't hold it against him because this movie was very good. I mean, it wasn't up to this nearly the same level, I don't think, as Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. But it's a different movie. Yeah, it's a different type. I didn't really compare them in that way. You can't really compare them. But the way Scott Pilgrim was made, though, was a very, very well-made film. In terms of the video game aspect, there was a lot of... uh, you can definitely tell that Edgar grew up like playing like regular Nintendo. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I would say it's a it's surprising, even though it is an Edgar Wright film, and you do expect quality from the trailers. I really didn't think it looked too good. From the trailers, it looked horrible. Yeah, it did, we first saw yeah. like, the the spot, the TV spot, or the trailer 
We're like, this looks like the worst movie yeah. ever. Yeah, I mean, and because, like, the the fan base for Scott Pilgrim, like, all these, like, yeah. comic book, like, boys. it's, yep, like, sure. a very, like, yeah, like, hipsterish. Like, uh, this is not, not the kind of vibe I would really like for, like, it's something a movie I'd want to see. And then, uh, and then I get really just surprised me, like, the tone of the movie and, like, yeah. just how well done it was. Like, it was very, like, nothing, nothing wasted, just very quick cutting throughout the whole film and just yes. uh, really unique and original. That's why I had to put it on my There list. was a lot of subtle humor, too, that I remember. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was a good, it's a good choice. Good choice. It deserves recognition for sure. Okay. All right, number eight. Here's number eight. Yeah. Some people might think it might be a little low on my list, but I still think it's a great film. Right. And that is the Best Picture winner of it. The 20, uh, 2011 Oscars, I guess you could say. Uh, the 2010, 2010 Oscars. I, uh, I think it, whatever. It yeah. takes place in 2011, but the film is for the yeah, 2010 the, yeah, season. Yeah. And that's uh, The King's Speech. The King, the King's Speech. Which I, actually, which I think actually may have been the best directed film of the year and the the was worthy of the award, I thought, for uh, Best Director. Not directed by Tobe Hooper. <laughs> not to be confused. Directed by Tom, not to Tom be confused Hooper. with Tobe Hooper. Yeah, not Tobe, <laughs> Tom Hooper. And that's uh, The King's Speech, which is a... Yes. I mean, I don't know how... So much has been said about this movie, I'm yeah, sure. I mean, what else are we going to say that hasn't been said before? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Colin Frith is great. Uh, yeah, he's an incredible actor. And his performance in A Single Man last year also oh, really yeah. put him on the radar, for me at least, because I never watched like Pride and Prejudice, like any of those other like, <laughs> yeah, straight well, to British DVD I think that's movies, what it but... was. Yeah, re- until recently, he really hadn't gotten the kind of critical acclaim until he did A Single, single Man. A Single was, Man, which was I mean, he fantastic. 100% deserved the Oscar this year, but I would even make a statement that he might have even deserved it last year also. Mm, he was that good in A Single Man. I mean, yeah, I recently I mean, we watched it, and he, yeah. his performance is just... I mean, the King's Speech, I think, gives a better performance because it's more of a, uh, a nuanced and uh, a more difficult, more perform- difficult well, to give performance. I'm not an actor, but I assume more, di- well, <laughs> more yeah. difficult to uh, give because he has to try to be a real person, exactly, and, uh, and do the, all the mannerisms and everything. And know that if he failed, he'd probably be exiled from England. Uh, yes, for portraying <laughs> exactly. the uh, one of the. Kings Don't worry, I'm sure if he keeps going, so he'll be a serve soon enough. He'll be oh serve absolutely. <laughs> The queen will sir will knight him and sir him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I thought I I personally thought Jeffrey Rush was fantastic, like in this movie. I did as well, although I am glad he did not win uh, best supporting actor. Who? Oh yeah, yeah. Never mind. We'll go back to we'll get we'll get to that when you go to your list. We'll get it. Um, yeah. he was actually one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. He was a it was a very good performance and a very well written role. Also, I thought. Mm. Yeah, the, I mean everything about the film was well done. There's really nothing you can complain about this. Well, movie, really. the only thing I complain so, about, oh. and I still hold true to <laughs> the this. one thing. There's right. one complaint I have with the King's Speech, and okay. I, I granted I only saw it once when I first saw it in theaters, but I need to rewatch this. Yeah, film okay. Because I am convinced the children in the film did not age throughout the film. <laughs> they were the same age throughout. You mean twelve years you mean over the span queen, of the film? You mean our current queen, England's current queen, England's queen, current Elizabeth. queen Elizabeth. Also, Jeffrey Rush's children didn't age either, and I'm almost I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure sure the kids did not age in the film. So if you think I'm wrong, call me out on it. You can email us or Twitter us or whatever you like to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean. They did not appear to age, yes. But I'm sure that the people making the movie knew that. Or like, maybe it just went over. Maybe everyone just overlooked it. <laughs> I except think that's for me. possible. Being, having been on set knowing the script supervisors that look over everything, I don't know how they can not notice that. But you may be right. You may, or it may have been an artistic choice. But I, yes, I they did not physically age in the film, no. 
<laughs> they did not age in the film. I was very upset. I hate things that pull me out of the, the realism of the film. And just real quick before we move on, I have to say how, what an utter atrocity it was. An utter money-grubbing, oh, yeah. pocket-lining, regurgitation-inducing <laughs> atrocity that the Weinsteins re-released this film for theatrical release with a PG-13 rating, cutting out one of the most essential scenes in the film to get more of a, an audience appeal at the theaters after it was already yeah. out of theaters. They brought it back in only with a PG-13 rating, and that really pissed yeah, me it off. It was kind of idiotic, I think, actually, because how many 13-year-olds are going to see The King's Speech, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah, it was just a way to make money on, on a scene. What I read is they didn't necessarily cut all of it, but they made him go, or something like that. Fuck, fuck, Because one of the main... Spoiler, one of the main parts of the therapy was to have him swear. And that's how he could kind of, you know, his anger would come out and he can yeah. realize that and he's it, not going to be It's really stuttering. silly. I mean, you can you can blame the MPAA or whoever because he's not using the yes. F word in, and in a, a sexual way or anything. Because it's not a... The lightest art, R, art, R rating <laughs> I have ever seen, I think, Probably, in my yeah. entire it's, it's only life. It's literally only for that scene. Exactly. And but, I mean... Whatever happened to responsible parenting? Like, find out what's in these movies and then say to your kids, exactly. oh, it's okay, you can see it. No, uh, I guess the, the MPAA is, counting is that's a whole other podcast, the MPAA. That's, yeah. Oh, there's a whole other it's film a, on it's that. It's like but... a real um, travesty what they're able to control in Hollywood and elsewhere. It's a really damn shame because mm-hmm. it's all bullshit, and that's <laughs> not even scratching the surface, but we'll save that for another day. Yep. I got a whole lot to say about that. <laughs> All, right, All right, let's move on to your number seven. My number seven is Woody Allen's You Will Meet a Tall, Dark Stranger. Ah, good old Woody once, sometimes twice a year, Allen. <laughs> Woody once or twice a year, Allen. And seems like, year, it seems like, seems like almost every year Woody Allen pictures on my top ten. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. It's just, but it's just because he's like uh, one of my favorite uh, filmmakers. Absolutely. And uh, – Every almost every film he makes, I enjoy just because I enjoy the, his writing. I just right. enjoy and how he does it. Style of filmmaking, and sure. there's yeah, and this and I just enjoy really enjoy style of filming. That's one of the reasons why it's on here. Whenever a film he makes comes out, the style from like is just. Well, chances are, it ends up being one of my top ten <laughs> films. Well, I of the really year. enjoyed Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Yeah, that's of the eye candy more than anything. Else. But the <laughs> well, cast that's that probably incredible. his better best film in the past few years. I would say is Vicky. That Cristina. and Matchpoint, I'd say Matchpoint. Well, was also that was like two thousand five, right? I yeah, mean, that was a while I mean, ago. You want to talk the last five years, or those are within a five year period yeah. of each other. Yeah, but yeah, those are two of my favorite films of his of all time, actually, because <laughs> they were both really good. Yeah, but I actually Matchpoint. really liked You and Me Tardishner. As far as I think, it may be. Uh, the third best out of out of the ones really? I've seen. Because yeah, I think if and it also had a great cast, that was yeah. Because I say if you think Matchpoint and Vicky Christina are top two, I think you'll meet might be three. I think it's better than Scoop and better than uh, yeah. Scoop is okay. Scoop. Yeah, I love Scarlett Johansson, but it was and uh, the one like and uh, whatever works, whatever works. The Larry David, Larry David, one. and I I never saw Cassandra's right. Dream. That was like the one yeah, I, I never saw seen. that one either. Yeah, no but uh, you'll meet Tarek Stranger is kind of a. It's kind of it's kind of a, got a lot of a lot of characters and it's like a, yeah. a, a ensemble, ensemble piece yeah, I was just with a, 
like big names in it, like uh, Naomi Watts, Josh Brolin, Anthony Hopkins is in this Anthony movie. Antonio Banderas, like Antonio uh, Banderas, really great like cast of characters. Like this, you know, Woody Allen kind of makes these small movies, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's just a really fantastic look at these people's lives and like the the loves in their lives. That's really what it's about. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I I really don't have too much more to say about this particular picture. I don't really remember that much about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, I do remember Naomi Watts, though. And uh, I just really enjoyed the storytelling, and that's what I'll say about it. I move on. Moving on to number six. It's probably the biggest movie of the year, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, And that is number six, Inception. Inception. Christopher Christopher Nolan. Nolan. And uh, again, a movie that a lot has been said about. Yes, both good and bad. <laughs> You're always going to have haters when you get like the big blockbuster yeah, movie yeah. coming out. But, and uh, trust me, I was the first one when this to be like very skeptical, especially after the debacle that was Shutter Island, another Leonardo DiCaprio uh, steamboat of a film that came out last year. I was very, very, very concerned about Inception. But Christopher Nolan righted the ship, and he really made a masterpiece out of this film. Yeah, uh, it, the thing about Inception is that the concept alone is the probably the most intriguing thing you're gonna sure. notice in like the dream within a dream uh, thing. But I think Nolan really made it come alive in a way that a lot of directors would have failed. Mm-hmm. Like his use of CGI only when necessary. Like the this the 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 way the shots looked, like the cinematography was great. The anti gravity scene, especially yeah. like you, I really want to have the set the, pieces, uh, the Blu-ray DVD combo. I can't wait till like, when I eventually get free time, which <laughs> maybe in another month or so. Um, I really want to watch how they made that because th- the apparatus they constructed for that scene is tremendous, yeah. and I want to see how they did it. It's inc- it looks <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, Warner Brothers, I'm sure, gave him like almost a blank check oh, for Inception, absolutely. and I'm sure he'll get a blank check because Inception. Destroyed at the box oh, office. Absolutely. The guy's um, a money making machine. Yeah, like eat it, Cameron. Eat it. <laughs> yeah, he's very like lately. He's been very uh, comparable to Steven Spielberg as far as like uh, getting the critical and, uh, yeah. and claim like, the epic. The yeah, and like the audience Na- yeah. nowadays, people know Nolan's name and go to see his movies, yeah. which is yep. rare. Like yeah, you do not rare. see that, especially a lot. with his origins. I mean, it obviously, he had films before Memento, but yeah. Memento was like the one that really put him on the map as like one of those directors to watch, like what mm-hmm. he's going to do. Like along with you know, he came out in the same kind of time as like a. Uh, I, yeah, I guess like the P.T. Anderson. Yeah, like I was a, thinking P.T. Oh, like, was a little before. A little earlier, but it's around that era so. of, of... Those filmmakers. Yeah. Even like an Aronofsky, like those yeah. younger filmmakers to watch. Yeah, they, they all came up around like similar times, and yep. no one, no one's the British variety. Yes. Uh, yeah, but it's yeah, it's rare nowadays, like the the directors that audiences will go out to see for. Sure. You know, the, he's definitely one of these. He's become yeah. one of them, mm-hmm. for sure. And, uh, and I mean... I think the main reason you watch this film is because of the set pieces and the the, the concept and just sure. the ideas floating around and how it's really, you could tell, really allegorical, Yes, the whole thing. Unfortunately, a lot of people take this film on its surface. Oh, what a dream. It's all a dream and a dream. <laughs> it's so stupid, bro. I don't understand, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually found the film pretty understandable. Yeah, uh, It's not... 
it seems a lot more complicated I think than it is yeah. at first and I think it he, he does a really good job of like making sure you don't get complicated it doesn't get too complicated right, it doesn't get too complicated for its own good because that's where I think a, a lesser director would have failed he would have tried to make mm-hmm. it too epic too grandiose and overall too unrealistic yeah. and like without any deeper meaning behind yeah. it but if you actually watch inception and like keep in the back of your head like at least our theory of uh yeah the allegory behind it uh you can really see the film for a lot more than what it is on the surface yeah i mean there's some really brilliant stuff like the the car going in slow motion that whole time as like mm-hmm. the dream within dream it just that that shot alone like sure. every, that super slow motion shot the high speed cameras the, the high speed cameras too, yeah i mean cuz think of how slow that was moving i mean sure I don't even want to know the frames per second on that thing, that camera. Five thousand. Yeah, something like that. Something insane. But actually, what um, Nolan and his DP Wally Pfister wanted Wally to Fister. do, well, Academy Award winner now Wally Pfister, uh, they wanted to shoot the entire film in IMAX, yeah. which would have been awesome <laughs> and insane. Not saying, Oh, what's I'm gonna go see Fast Five in IMAX. <laughs> oh, I love the IMAX. No, no, no. That's just blown up on like a slightly larger screen. We're talking about actually shooting with an IMAX camera, yeah, like yeah. under the sea, yeah. like trip to the moon or whatever those movies <laughs> yeah, are. Well, that are like, the IMAX well, movies. Yeah, yeah. Like the, I think it's like sixty-five millimeter or something like that. Like yeah, some tremendous film. camera. That theoretically still can't be used when you have spoken dialogue because the camera is too damn loud. Yeah. <laughs> but like I mean, everything. but the I mean, the quality is like higher than hi, higher quality in the film, like the highest high definition yep. you'll ever see, basically. Yep. Um, and it looks just looks fantastic. The depth of field, I mean, for film people out there, is very shallow, so a lot of out of focus and in focus shots. It just looks really good. Definitely, we were fortunate enough to catch uh, the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And, and in IMAX, and that was scenes were legitimate IMAX, yeah, yeah. which was pretty. And they popped out like when you saw yeah. those scenes, it was like watching the biggest HD TV yeah, you've ever seen was, in your life. And it's like floor to ceiling, like yeah. type of screens, like tremendous, awesome. Uh, that one is prohibitively expensive to do. Yeah, it. I mean, uh, and it's just more of a technical. I don't yeah. think it can necessarily even be done yet. Yeah, because I think he, if anybody could get the check to do it, he would get the. Yeah, he would get the green light to do something. I mean, like there's been other films that have been shot on 70 millimeter film that, if you ever see those films nowadays, they look amazing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, I think, yeah. is either 65 or 70 millimeter. If you, that film, we watch it today, it looks like a new, it looks amazing. Huh. Uh, I think Lawrence of Arabia, like, watch those films instead. They still look amazing because the film was those high quality right. film, almost like IMAX. Wow. All right, nice. So well, we'll see what happens with the Dark Knight Rises because there's talk about doing that one in IMAX. But uh, we'll, we'll see. see. I don't, I don't well, think maybe they'll do but... parts. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So moving on, number five. Number five. Uh, oh. My choice is a Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine, a Doug Day produced film. <laughs> Doug Day, executively produced. Is that good for you? Our Doug good old pal Doug. Our Day. pal Doug Day. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's basically just uh, a better relationship that goes sour. Uh, and uh, I guess you know it's a kind of a thing that's been done before, but the structure of this film is a little different than most, as far as showing uh, that breakdown of relation relationship. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, I believe, showing it from. Uh, I think they show the breakdown first, like, uh, and then kind of move on to what. It's kind a of very it. uh, fragmented. Yeah. Film in terms of um, 
chronological sequence, but it it's aided by the physical appearance of the characters also. Yeah, yeah, because you can see like impressive. receding hairlines, like uh, yeah, Ryan Gosling with a yeah. beer belly. Yeah, yeah, and and that's pretty, probably me and my favorite part of the film is just Ryan yeah. Gosling, incredible as yeah, he's always. A great he's actor, yeah. he's, he's so good. He reminds me. Reminds me a lot of Robert De Niro when he was young, like just mm-hmm. the his demeanor and like. Just how good he is. Yeah, he's a, he really controls the screen whenever he's on it, for sure. And, uh, I mean, uh, it's definitely not the type of film that everyone's going to like. Some people would think it's not much of a storyline. It's right, more... So be offended by the gratuitous uh, <laughs> sexual... Which is actors. not gratuitous in any way. No, Don't no. believe it. That was just the Weinsteins trying <laughs> to get, <laughs> get you to think or whatever. It's like the most uh, gratuitous film. NC-17. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's really not that gratuitous at all. No. Uh, you know, it, it, could, it really could be an R rating if it, if it really... I think it could. Yeah, it was a very, very soft NC-17. Yeah. It was just more for the uh, allure or whatever, even though some theaters aren't allowed to show. But this was playing everywhere, though. So yeah. The fuck they were and uh, so, uh, yeah, if you're really into some uh, good performances and, like, yeah. a very... The film has a very like cool look to it, like a, a lot of blues. Yeah. Especially because I mean, the name of the movie is Blue Valentine, but there's a lot of like no, but it's a lot of cool yeah, color. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, like, tones. In terms yeah, yeah. of like exactly. yeah, the color palette. Like, oh, color it's palette. Cool. Like, sunglasses. <laughs> a lot of cool color palette. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, uh, yeah, it's produced by uh, a good friend of ours, Doug Day. Well, very good did, uh, Half Nelson. He did Who, a lot of... Yeah, uh, very... I mean, a lot of Gosling. A lot of Gosling, yeah. I mean, he... He's a fan of our work. He's probably well, that right yes, now. that is true. <laughs> we uh, used to know him. And, uh... No, but even... If you see like, the other actors, like, he's had in his film... He's a producer, but still, he's still in charge of, like, you know, putting the stuff together. The actors that have appeared in his films, Ryan Gosling, even Ellie Fanning, like, one of her first roles was in a Doug Day film. So obviously she's going to be huge. She's going to become like a huge star now. I mean, we already talked before about uh, somewhere, but now this year she's going to be in Super Eight, which is going to oh, be yeah. like supposed to be her breakout role. I forgot. Role. I forgot she was in. Uh, she's uh, also in uh, Babel. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's a little, really a little, little on that. Really little on that. But that was uh, like her first thing that I actually really yeah, noticed one her. Of, one of yeah, Phoebe one in of. Wonderland was the Doug Day film that uh, she mm, was yeah. in. But even like other, I remember like Carrie Mulligan was in a film of his like before she became like who she is. Yeah, now. he definitely has an eye. Like all, he's definitely produces yeah. very high quality stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, I remember hearing, I heard about Blue Valentine like a really long time ago. Like yeah, from I him, that. he's telling me this movie's gonna be. He's like the script is great. Like it's gonna be really good. And there's another one too. Um, oh crap! Okay, I got IMDb. Right, IMD being blue. That's it. But, uh, I can't remember the name for the life of me right now. But that's this one's supposed to be like the best one out of all the ones he's done so far, really? from what I've heard. Yeah, but, but I say he definitely has like a taste of like this good indie cinema. Oh, like. absolutely! Just look at Half Nelson. That movie is like, yeah. Remember, fortunately, we were able to, at the time it came out, express to him personally our inter- yeah. our feelings <laughs> on the film, and that was a very big experience for me at least because I got to tell you know the man responsible for putting the film out there exactly how I felt about it and I felt very strongly about that film that's one of my favorite films I saw in 2006 when that came out yeah that's I mean that's that's the movie that kind of turned me on to Gosling as an actor I think both of us oh, and we kind of went back in his catalog and have you ever seen The Believer I believe it's called right? The Believer 
is that what's called is not is it the believer the one where he's the uh the neo nazi is that the name oh, of it oh right is it called the believer i believe i don't remember have you seen that one cuz that no. he's really good in that i never saw well. that oh some reason it's not showing up on here anymore what the fuck was that movie called I don't know. Anyway. Oh, yeah, it is called The Believer, yes. From 2001. But that's like another one of his kind of breakout roles. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I, I've never seen it, though. So yeah, you, sh- you, sh- you should definitely check it out if you want to, if you want to see anymore. like a... Anyway. Here's the uh, poster right there. Interesting. If oh, you yeah, I have... Uh, I've never seen the film, but I've heard of it. i got to check that out. Yeah, you just definitely check it out. So. See Netflix has it. It's got Billy Zane. <laughs> one of the Phoenix siblings. Wonderful, Billy Zane is in. I'm definitely gonna jump <laughs> all over. Uh, no, but it's uh, it's Gosling definitely stands out in that. Nice. All right. Moving on to my number four film. Moving on to number four. Number four. Which, this is one of the best films of the year. That's why it is uh, number four. Uh, also tops on my number list. four is Toy Story three. Toy Story three. And like, why do you got a kids movie on your I list? I don't understand. How do you have a cartoon on your list? The cartoons aren't real movies. How do you have a real movie? Real quick aside, uh, the day after the Oscars, I was listening to uh, some talk show on uh, XM. might have been Ron and Fez or it might have been. I think it was Ron, <laughs> Ron and Fez. I've heard of them in a while. Uh, I'm not really a big fan. But uh, they had on like this guy who's like a big like movie buff. Or supposed movie buff. I talk about the Oscars, and he's like, "I don't understand why that all the movies they had were horrible. All the, all the the cartoon was nominated for Best Picture. You can't nominate a cartoon. <laughs> like you fucking caveman, <laughs> you idiot." Anyway, that was my side. Yeah, if you mean my cartoon, you mean one of the best written, best directed, yeah. best uh, produced films of the year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and plus the highest grossing film of 2010. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the uh, the cartoon, aren't right? you? Yeah. Uh, Toy Story 3 really mm. blew me away when I saw it because, first of all, there's so much expectation. I mean, this is the third yeah. uh, third feature in Pixar's biggest franchise by yep. far. I mean, the Toy Story franchise. And how many years after the fact? I mean, after the yeah, it's so many oh, years. More than 10 That years. many years has got to be like a ton of pressure. Absolutely. Um, but, man, they really like went all out on the film. Like They hired a great writer and mm-hmm. Michael Arndt from uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Right. Like, getting that guy to help pen the script. Uh and they they create a film that, in my opinion, is better than Toy Story 2. Yes, I uh, agree with that as well. I don't think anything can ever beat the originals because of the concept. Yeah, and yeah. The, the closeness we hold to it in our hearts because yeah, of our for childhoods. Sure. But uh, it, Toy Story 3 is definitely a very, very, very special film. I agree. Uh, and it can definitely stand on its own, but I think what makes it an even greater film is the fact how it can blend in seamlessly like and incorporate things from its first and second ones. I've seen this film more recently, like very recently, like yeah. in the last few weeks again, and there's subtleties like in the beginning where it's exact uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's, ex- uh, it's exact, like dialogue, like cut and pasted from the first two movies. Mm. And, like, certain things Woody says, like, oh, no one's getting thrown away. Instead of, yeah. oh, come on, no one's getting replaced, like, from the first one or yeah. the uh, the, yeah, when they, the birthday party in the first one. Everyone's like, we're getting replaced. And he's like, no, no, no one's getting replaced. And then uh, in the third one, he's like, no, 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 we're not. No one's getting thrown away. The very same tone yeah. of voice, but, like, it's changing things differently. Like, 
you're not going to find a lot of people that pick up on that unless you've seen all three movies. Like I have like millions of times <laughs> just because of like small children running around and like the movie always playing in the background. Yeah. But uh, there's other subtleties like that as well that like go throughout the film that draw, you know, attention to the first two films that I thought was really clever and like very well done on, on the part of the, uh, the screenwriters. Oh, and uh, the, yeah, it's the way the the character, I mean, this film, I think I wrote it in my review that you can see on our website. Yeah, you can go to our critique section. It, it's almost built reviews. for people that grew up with the first one because I'm not going to yes. give away anything, but the way the film ends especially, yes. uh, it's made for people that grew up watching the original ones, were kids when the original one came right, out. Like we were. And I have grown into adulthood. And it's really mm-hmm. about like that transition yep. from being a kid and playing with your toys and now being an adult and you have all these toys that you used to play with as a kid and you don't right. anymore. And um, It's a very human story that yeah. pretty much anybody can relate to. Yeah. Homeless and don't have toys. Exactly, it's possible. It is possible. And you wouldn't be listening to this. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, a really fantastic, uh, fantastic film. And yeah. uh, I know, especially in our theater, by the end, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of tears are going out. A lot of uh, <laughs> little pat of the eyes. Yeah. A lot of you know. Little, a lot uh, of people saying they have something in their eye. And <laughs> a lot of people, uh, you know, just you know, <laughs> no, there's no, there's no water there. Yeah, so... Uh, bro, it's a cartoon, bro. It's a cartoon. <laughs> it's a cartoon, but it will... Uh, your gut will be wrenched. <laughs> cartoon that packed more of an emotional punch than probably any other film yeah, in this last say, year or so. I would say it did. <laughs> Some And that's why it's so high on my list, is because yeah, it's absolutely. the most affecting film I've seen this year. 100% agreed, sir. Okay. So I'm going to move to... Moving on to number three. Here's the, here's, the, here's the big one that's coming up. All right, here come uh, the big three. The big three. The big three that are... Oh, I'll save my list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three is the social network. The social network. Social network, Facebook. And the winner is mm. the social network. Oh, no, for the whistle. Oh, for the Golden Globe. <laughs> that, that means anything is they pay for their awards. That's another story. Oh, yes. How about that foreign press? <laughs> so, uh, so, social network is my number three. Right. Another movie that was like huge. One of the biggest movies of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Done by David Fincher. Our boy David Fincher. Our boy. We don't personally know him, but one day we hope to. <laughs> who's done who's done nothing but quality movies. work, especially in the last few years. Oh yes. Who's really become one of the top filmmakers in Hollywood. I think he really has in the last few years. He's it's, it's really he's always nice. been big, but he's gotten to be huge. It's really nice to see him finally getting the recognition he deserves with his last few films. Mm-hmm. Completely snubbed. Zodiac itself, the film is completely yeah. snubbed of any critical, I mean, uh, award season recognition. Yeah. It came out so early in the year. Yeah, if it had come at the end of the year, it would have gotten tons of awards. Yeah, but I mean, it, it wasn't. I mean, it, it sounds to lambs. That was, everyone always says that. That was a different time, though. It's, things are different now. Yeah, but uh, I mean, but I've work. I've since seen actually a lot of critics talk about that film. Yeah, and actually had a professor of mine who's like a real critic and mm. ha- has been actually uh, has books and everything like that talked about how great Zodiac is. And nice. So uh, it does have it does have a critical following now. Even if it was so overlooked it at first, enough. yeah. Uh, but the Social Network is a uh, definitely one of his best films. Yes, and it's interesting because it's his most. I think you may have said it, his most unfincher like film because it's yes, it's a little more mainstream than his others. Not saying it's bad in any way. Just, I was talking to more in terms of structure because it seemed like a very contrived structure. Like, okay, here's the, the court hearing, and then we're going to have, like, flashbacks yeah, yeah. and stuff. It didn't seem like a very Finchnerian 
narrative to me. Yeah, which yeah. Is, it's just unique in and of itself because obviously now he's doing something he hasn't done before. Yeah, it's uh, and it's definitely the kind of film that a lot of people can enjoy. Yes, and you know, not as uh, dark as some of his other stuffs that might. You know, it's, it's still pretty dark. It's I mean, st- it is a PG thirteen rating, which his last two films actually have been. Before that, I believe it was exclusively R. All of his films. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely more accessible. Yeah. And it's not, not going to gross dark. you it's out like, like a seven. Yeah. And like like all of the other movies, oh, Benjamin Button actually wasn't very yeah, violent yeah. either. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say it's it's not. Yeah, it's still like in terms of like the way it's lit, it's like it's still a very dark yeah, yeah. film, which is I really love his. Well, visual it's definitely style, that, yeah, that's his visual style. Yeah, He's I really always like that a lot. A lot, I mean, of, d- a lot of deep blacks. Yeah, that's his, I really like that's the style. His style. Absolutely, uh, and his shot on the red camera. It's cold again. You know the cold colors again, mm-hmm. like the blues and. Yeah, yeah the, the red, yes, shot on the red. And it's just a, st- a fantastic story. I mean, it's a story anyone can enjoy and watch. Yeah, and it, like, it's a very uh, interesting story. One of the reasons why it garnered so much critical acclaim and actually was the front runner for, you know, the heir apparent for every award under the sun until the King's Speech came out, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, more of a, uh, you know, those, how those period pieces work. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was so accessible because it dealt with such classical themes of conflict, betrayal, all, you know, love, yeah. all these different emotion, all these classical emotions in probably the most modern setting you could have possibly yeah. made. It. The most immediate setting that's so immediate to mm-hmm. the way our lives are now. I mean, how many people listen to this podcast don't have Facebook or don't know what Facebook is? It's something – for the better or worse, like it or not, it changed the way we interact with one another forever. Yeah, and uh, you were spot on as far as like the story goes. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's got elements of Shakespeare. You yeah. know, it's got a uh, betrayal, and it's got it's got all that into like yeah, the the most modern of possible settings and yeah. the uh, internet and that interweb, the interweb. interweb, and it's got I mean, great performances throughout. Throughout yeah, the I mean, film, uh, All, you know. Andrew Garfield especially, he was inc- fantastic in this film. Uh, unfortunately for him, did not rack up an Oscar yeah, nomination which for I, his work. I was very disappointed, but he gave a really great performance in the film, as did Jesse Eisenberg. And mm-hmm. I think if Colin Firth was not the king this year, Jesse Eisenberg would have got the Oscar. He very possible. Awesome. Yeah. They, awesome. All so all very good performances in this film, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. I have to say that that's so it. You're gonna leave out the most important part of the film. Oh, how could I forget? I think yeah, I, you I did just the... trying to see if I was paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I, we've talked about it so much. It's on every podcast. Yeah, we don't have to tell it anymore. <laughs> let's just not say. Let's just not say anything about it, except congratulations. Yeah, that's congratulations. all we'll say. Right. Congratulations, Trent. Not Atticus, just Trent. Okay. Congratulations. That, that old, tall British guy. <laughs> I'd like to thank my wife and my, ki- and my kids. Okay, right. excellent. Okay. <laughs> Number two is from one of my favorite filmmakers around. Yes. Who we still New- have, to have a podcast exclusively devoted to. Yep. Uh, native New Yorker, native mm-hmm. of Brooklynite. Jaron mm-hmm. uh, Aronofsky. Mr. Jaron His film, Black Swan. Black Swan. Uh, I mean, another one that was like talked about endlessly, surprisingly too, because I actually did not think this film would be get as big as it got. Well, also too, the film is uh, 
known in many parts of the country and even many parts of the world as the film that knocked up Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, possibly. Oh, actually, not possibly. Oh, yes, no, it is. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, where do you start with the song? Because there's so much elements to it. Uh, but... Yeah, I said I haven't talked anything about it. We haven't had a podcast since we saw it. Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to have one just about it. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, Natalie Portman is, like, is amazing. Like, if you've seen a Natalie Portman in any other movie before in any other role, yeah. take every performance she's ever had, combine them all, make them 100 times better, and then times that times 1,000, and that's how good she is in Black Swan. Absolutely. <laughs> Despite <laughs> all these rumors, of, oh, a dancing double was used the whole time. Yeah, no. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> what wasn't? Yeah, fuck you. That's all right. We have to use our, <laughs> our departed voices. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as I've said to you many times, and uh, our listening audience down here for the first time, it's not, a, it's not your conventional film. A lot of people have trouble with this film. But the thing about it is it's 100% about the art of performance. Mm-hmm. And even though things – one of my biggest gripes about films that like have like twists or like convoluted like structures like, oh, it's all in the person's head or, oh, it's all this. Like the entire film, I guess you could say, like takes place inside of the protagonist's mind and like the way she interprets events. But it's all done for that reason, and the film does not pull any punches and pretend to be something that it's not. It lets you know straight up exactly mm-hmm. what it is through like through subtleties in the yeah. film, and it's it's about one person's like quest to become the best they can be. It's pretty much the what I say is like the physical embodiment of uh, the pursuit of perfection. The pursuit of perfection. That's what the the that's what the film is. The film exists as a physical manifestation of an individual psyche which has if it's ever been tried on film before has been it's it's failed miserably and i can name many examples where they try and do that and then try and keep it oh that's the twist oh well he's really that guy doing that stuff (laughs) but the physical embodiment of just pure madness and pure you know like i said the art of the performance like there's I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a part at the end of this film that gave me chills watching it. Like, and it was completely like fantastical, like obviously not ha- able to happen in real life, like complete fantasy, whatever. But throw that out the window because realism is not the subject of this film. It's about the physical embodiment of emotion. And that's something that is rarely, if ever, committed as successfully as it was in Black Swan. Yeah. Committed on film. And, uh, I mean, Aronofsky does it again. I mean, he's made nothing but great films. And and it, it, it's funny because the film, like, definitely resembles, like, the minimalistic approach of the wrestler. Yeah, very... Like, that sl- type of in, indie, yes. like, you know, cinematography. Libertique is back. Thank mm-hmm. Bog. Yeah, it's very, uh... Very similar in style to The Wrestler, but more fantastical. Obviously, The Wrestler is very, very rooted in reality. Very realistic. Yeah. Very, uh... I would even venture to say... Um, like neo realist, like type of, yeah. you know, very like in the setting. You know, there you are, mm-hmm. not really anything. You know, just character. You know, yep. But uh, I would say like, but uh, visually, Black Swan is similar to the Wrestler, and like, uh, yes. 
uh, as far as a lot of shots, like similar shots, yeah, kind very of like good dizzying cinematography. Yeah, very similar to how Pi and Requiem for a Dream have similar visual styles. Yes, it's very similar in that way. I mean, they're very different stories, but the visual yes. style is similar. And he did it again with the wrestler on Black Swan. It's very similar uh, visual styles. The Aronofsky film. always is known for like good, even like the fountain. Like that's one of my favorite like of Libetique's like cin- of uh, cinematographer. Uh, Aronofsky films just the shots in that film are like breathtaking the way you see like you know all the different and like the way the different time periods come together in the fountain like through the same cinematic cinematographic (laughs) techniques and all that I mean Black Swan is definitely more of like you know more of a documentary if you will feel to it handheld camera same with The Wrestler but uh, it just goes to show, like Aronofsky's range. Yeah, I was about to say visual range. He he always surprises because a lot of people really um, were starting to get on Aronofsky, believe it or not, after Requiem because he thought he was an MTV director. Yeah, he was very a lot of quick. He thought he was all, all about quick cuts, all about visually like, stimulating, all right, about yeah. showing off the audience. Then he went mm-hmm. and made three films completely different from that, and uh, he went from making very much slower paced film in, in the fountain as far as the cuts is down. Mm-hmm. No, nothing the same. And then two very indie gritty 16 yeah. millimeter looking films in wrestler and black swan. So. But each were still visual marvels in their mm-hmm. own right with utilizing different techniques. So he shows that he's not just a one trick pony. Oh, it can only do like mm-hmm. these quick hip hop montage yeah. cuts, <laughs> but really evolved as a filmmaker and, Whatever else he puts out for the rest of his career, I'm obviously yep. going to be first. I, I would not be seat, so. would not be surprised if next he went with some some long, you know, there will be bud like slow piece. I would not be surprised. Some slow brooding yeah. piece. Not yeah. be surprised. I can't wait to see what else P.T. Anderson does. Too. Oh. He's been out of the game for a while now. Yeah, but he, he's he's too good. He's too good. He takes so long. Yeah, he does take a long time. He's he's very good. Not as long as Lynch though. We're still waiting for Lynch. I don't know. It might be a long. It might be another ten years. Uh, he's kind of old, so I don't know. Well, now he's into like his music. And he's into he's into like his meditation. Great, he like found that. music, like music and meditation. He's never making another. Yeah, no. oh, whatever. He made enough. Yeah, actually, hasn't made that many considering how long his career has been. Couldn't talk another podcast without talking about Lynch. Yeah, whatever. Well, <laughs> you brought it up. Yeah, I have to. It's <laughs> okay. My number one. <laughs> Our <laughs> number one film, which we have mentioned before on this podcast, but we're mentioning it again. Yeah, I mean, it we won't talk too much about it here. Pretty tough to uh, usurp this uh, film. So this state, even when we did like our midway through, yeah. this film actually came out last uh, April, yeah. or last month. And we and we talked. Pretty Ad sure we talked about, about like forty minutes about yeah. this film, so I won't say too much. But the number one film is Mansomhatarkivnor. Mansomhatarkivnor, <laughs> which. Translates to men who hate women, which yes. American translates into <laughs> an American that means the <laughs> uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it for our show. Uh. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess I'll just say a little. I mean, uh, it's it's my number one film of the year because, first of all, for me, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere. The quality of the film, yeah. like how actual good everything in this film. Was I mean it does harken back to a lot of those serial killer films we've talked about, like the Silence of the Lamps and this yeah. stuff, and just with the great, great central protagonist and probably the most memorable protagonist maybe of the year. I would definitely argue that as yeah, well with uh, Elizabeth Salander. Elizabeth Salander, uh, and as I've said before too, like you just said, completely blindsided me when I first saw it. I had 
I went into the film not knowing anything about it except that it was like you know like a murder mystery. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me go see that. Blown away, especially being so early in the year too. Maybe that has something to do with it. But I mean, throughout the year, that was still I still kept thinking about it and still remained my favorite film I've seen this year. And that honestly says a lot because there was a lot like the whole list we just went yeah. over. There was a lot of good films there. Yeah, a lot of very strong films. Definitely, I'm gonna have a few more. Uh, we're going to go over after the break that, uh, you know, I really, really enjoyed this year. And uh, this one still stayed my number one as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, great film and... Uh, great acting, great everything. Yeah. And like I've said before, too, it reminded me of so many other films, you know, coincidentally, that it just made me even love the film even more. Yeah, for sure. And then I read the book and then still to this day, one of the only films I've ever seen that I actually liked more than the book. Which is wow. rarely ever happens. Pretty much when I read One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, the film was like garbage to me. Because <laughs> the book was that good. I was like, yeah. wow, that sucks. <laughs> I hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. That was Very my nice top ten of the year. Hope you enjoyed nice. it. You can view it on the website. Yeah, you can go to uh, www.ghostoffilm.com slash film dash reviews slash top dash ten slash DT dash 2010. And you can see, <laughs> or you can just go to our homepage and navigate from there. Yeah. Just go to films, and then uh, you'll find it. Yeah, you'll, if you it's pretty easy to navigate. Yeah. We don't want to give you the whole URL. All right. Plug it. So we, I guess now we'll, uh, we'll coast into our first break. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll do a song from Andrew's newest adventure, which is the remake right. of the, his uh, Well, H-W. Roman numeral one, hint, hint. <laughs> Memoirs of a Zombie Apocalypse, colon, redux. <laughs> Dash. No. All right. <laughs> Dash. Uh, we're going to go with uh, his quote-unquote single from the... This is the quote-unquote single from the album. Uh, it's called Dead Men Tell Tall Tales. Say that uh, 20 times, Yeah, fast. exactly. Coincidentally... It was when I first started my project in 2008. Uh, it was actually the first song I recorded for the, uh, the yep, album. I remember that. Yep. Uh, this album, the way I went about it, I actually went in reverse chrono. Uh, would you call it chronological Al- order? Albemical order. <laughs> Albemical order, meaning I already had the track order established. It's obviously, uh, we don't call it a concept album, we call it an oral film. A U R A L, because it's a. It tells a story over the course of the song. It's not just like, oh, there's similar themes throughout it, like a concept album. It actually tells this, uh, tells a story um, throughout the duration of the album. Uh, you can read all about it on uh, ghostoffilm.com slash HW. Uh, you can read all about the, you know, the premise of the film, the motives behind it, all that's good stuff. I don't want to go too far into that now. Um, but I recorded the album in reverse order the second time around. And uh, so this was around the middle of the pack, I guess, when I started hitting the strides. So here we go. Dead Men Tell Tall Tales. Enjoy it.
Tell Tall Tales. Dead Men. That's a great, great uh, version of the song. I like it better than the original. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Remember, you can download the uh, the entire album for nothing more than a few mouse clicks. Just head <laughs> over to the uh, the downloads page on ghostoffilm.com and uh, just click on the top one because it goes in reverse order as well mm-hmm. in terms of release. And... Uh, Check it out. Mm-hmm. Support. 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 All right. So let's uh, groove back into our discussion on each of our respective top ten lists of the year. Uh, I'll present my top ten list, which is going to be a lot briefer than yours, my good friend, mm-hmm. because uh, we have okay. a lot of the same films, as yeah. you said. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not even really going to talk that much about uh, each one unless I think of something on the fly. Sure. And then uh, the ones that I have that you didn't, I will say a brief word about. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's start it off. All right, so my number 10 of the year, 2010, was Inception. Yep, this is my number six. Inception, for reasons we discussed before. So, mm-hmm. obviously a great film. Number nine. Number nine. <laughs> number nine. My number nine film, what is that from again? It's from uh, The Beatles. Oh, yeah. Number nine. <laughs> number nine. Anyway. My number nine film of the year was 
Flickan som letke med elden. Which loosely translates to the girl who played with fire. Yep. Which in English translates to the girl who played with fire. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I uh, guess that one was an okay one yeah. to put. <laughs> yeah. Which we talked, also talked about this film on our halfway yeah, we, through. Yeah, we talked about it. It's another film that kind of stuck with me all year as a film that I really enjoyed. Despite, you know, the uh, the abrupt ending because it's like kind of a two-parter along with uh, the girl kicked the hornet's nest. Um but there were still a lot of parts in the film that just really stuck with me, and that's why I kept it on my list. Uh, obviously, it's the sequel to The Girl with the Dragon mm-hmm. Tattoo, uh, and it follows more of the story of Lisbeth Salander and kind of uh, goes on her cleans up the story. Yeah, cleans up the story where some things in Dragon Tattoo were left a little uh, hazy on purpose because obviously it was plotted as a trilogy. And uh, my biggest uh, my biggest disappointment, I'd say, is that Mr. Stieg Larsson had to uh, pass away. Yeah, that does. Because we were supposed to get a lot stink. more than just three, three books. So, unfortunately, it was only a trilogy. Yeah. Didn't and, he get uh, to see the success of his stuff, too. Exactly. So, very sad. But uh, I'll honor him now by saying that the adaptation of his book, The Girl with Play With Fire, The Girl Who Played With Fire, was my number nine film of 2010. Yep. Now I'm going to move into number eight. Mm-hmm. Now, this film, now that I think, I, I, I made my list, I'm sticking to it, mm-hmm. but I think if I would have had a little more distance from this film, it might be higher. It would be higher on my mm-hmm. list because I pretty much, that was one of the, this was one of the last films I saw for the year 2010. When I made my list, and I knew I had to include it just because I felt like really strongly about it, and uh, I feel like if I would have given myself a little more distance, it would have definitely been higher, like a lower number slash higher up on my list, meaning like yeah. a better spot on my list. Not to say, oh, it would be like number 10. It would be like close to like the top five, if not in the top five. And that film is beautiful. 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 A film by... Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu. Yes, sir. Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu. Um, starring the Goliath of a performance by Mr. Javier Bardem. Yes, one of the uh, best actors working today for sure. Yes, yes, and actually recognized for his work at the Oscars and mm. grabbing a uh, best actor nod, which is very rare, actually, for a, for foreign, a foreign film. film very absolutely. Rare. Uh, he was the film. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't want to give too much away because I know you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I've been getting on you for yeah, that for well, a while. Now. Unfortunate circumstances, I was not. I yeah, cannot um, see it yeah, because really some uh, some drama. ASAP. That's quite alright. We all have stuff, but uh, I don't want to give too much away for your sake and for mm-hmm. anyone out there's sake too. I will say that I was very surprised. With Inuratu's turn from a commercial, um, critical success as Babel. Mm-hmm. A huge ensemble cast, multiple, you know, like Oscar frontrunner, mm-hmm. you know, like tons of awards, like tons of critical acclaim, like one of the best films of 2007. Um, and he goes to like more of a, it's beautiful. A it's like smaller a, film. Kind of a very yeah. indie film, if you will, but it's like a foreign produced, like 
indie film, but even in terms of style too, because Beautiful is a surreal film. There's ele- there's surreal elements throughout the film that are extremely haunting, and that I was enamored with, to say the very least. Mm-hmm. Absolutely enamored. Um, very depressing film as well. It's definitely not. Uh, yeah. For the uh, <laughs> folks out there who want like a nice feel good movie, it's very sad, very depressing. But the, in terms of like the technical elements of how the film was made and the way the story is told, man, I, I can't wait to own this film. That's all I'll say. I cannot wait mm-hmm. to own this film. Sure, can't wait for it to come it. out. Say so goodbye. Loved it, and I recommend it to anyone out there who. Maybe I'll retroactively change my list after I buy it on DVD. You can't do that, but shut up. <laughs> shut. But uh, again, I don't want to give too much away. But uh, the surreal elements in the film definitely, uh, definitely made it very, very intriguing and very, very different from Inuratu's other work. And he one of the best filmmakers around by far. Absolutely, and he, I was a little concerned too because this was his first film without the uh, penmanship of Guillermo Arriaga, who's his. Uh, one of his main collaborators was his main go-to scriptman for uh, Morris Peros, Twenty One Grams, and Babel. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's good. Yeah, it's you good know, for him to good. get out on his own. I think that's where you can also see like the surrealness seeping in because Ariaga yeah, is, yeah. is more of like a, a storyteller. Yeah, yeah, he's a storyteller. Although it's fragmented, like you'll, it's only going to be like realism. It's not really going to be anything too surreal or too, you know, anything like that. But. And that's the thing with Beautiful. I had no idea it was going to be like surrealistic elements in it too. So, Well, I seen the trailer and it did seem actually a little bit like that to okay. be from the trailer. The trailer but, uh, is actually really good. Yeah, the trailer is really good. I remember when I saw the trailer. But it also, you, you'd have no idea what the film was about. Yeah, you have no clue. <laughs> and also you would not know it was a foreign film too. <laughs> Me and uh, Mrs. Fester went, uh, I forgot, we rented like some movie and then we saw the trailer for it. And even she was like... Wow, I want to see that. I'm like, all right. You sure? Like, I'm gonna go anyway. <laughs> Did she you enjoy go it? If you want. Or was she like, uh, was she no, like, she devastated? Okay. No. Yeah, she was. She loved it. Okay, that's great. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, definitely highly, highly, highly recommended. All right. Almost as highly recommended as one of my films that's coming up. Okay. But uh, my number seven was Toy Story three. Mm-hmm. Uh, for reasons we said before. Uh, although I feel as though Up, which was my number one film of 2009, was a superior film. Toy Story three is still very very. Which good. I wrote in my review, if you if anyone yes, reads it, about how Up was a. Uh, I do think it's weird, but mostly just because it it is Toy Story is like the third film. You've right. already know the it's, characters. It's tough to. You can't really recreate that same right. type of thing that you can when it with the original film. But Toy Story three is actually very dark. That's another it, thing too. It's a pretty. <laughs> this dark is seen film. by the end. I'm not going to say film. Yeah, scene, it's like it's like it's pretty like, freaky. Whoa. <laughs> It's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, it's rated G. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so Toy Story 3 pretty much dissected that film yeah. ad nauseum. And again, please check out Daniel's review, uh, critique of that mm-hmm. film. It's a very brilliant, brilliantly written critique. One of my favorite reviews. So, uh, yeah, definitely great. So uh, please check that out on our site. Now, here it comes. My number six film of 2010 also, the exception for the rule. Mm-hmm. And that film, which, to be honest, I did not see in theaters. I I had the opportunity, I suppose, uh, albeit in like a, a two-day window, to be able to see this film. I think it was only playing at the uh, IFC Center. 
I actually didn't see Antichrist <laughs> last year there, and that was only playing there as well. But this film I really had my eye on. I really wanted to see it. I just couldn't get the chance to get there to see it. But uh, the first day it came onto Netflix, I immediately put it in my streaming queue and uh, watched it the day it came out. And the film had such a profound impact on me and blew me away so much that I felt compelled not only to add it to my top ten list, but to put it in the middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. And again, if I would have had some more distance from this film when I first made my list, again, it probably would have been a little bit higher up in the uh, in the sequence. And that film is Gaspar Noe's Enter the Void. Enter the Void. Now, I believe you and I were both highly anticipating seeing this film. Mm -hmm. uh, I made you go on like as soon <laughs> as I finished watching. It's like, you must watch this. We must discuss this. Because uh, uh, this is the filmmaker who's only done one film yeah. besides this, which was... Uh, Irreversible. Irreversible. 2002's Irreversible. Which is a which, long time ago. Which is, again, one of my... I don't know if I'd say favorite, but one of my... Most notable films of the 2000s, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm trying to think of... I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's definitely mm, a film I no, have I wouldn't a lot say of respect for. Yeah, I would a agree. A ton of respect I would agree. for. Um. Great film. I'm not saying it's not one of my favorite films, but I, I respect the film. I think so in a lot much. of ways, Enter the Void plays on a lot of the things that he was introducing in Universal and takes it to the highest level. Oh, absolutely. And I think what you were telling me that uh, you had read somewhere that his intention all along was to make Enter the Void. Mm -hmm. However, the budget he would need to make the film he couldn't procure on his own. So he made Irreversible, which is a gem in and of itself, um, made that film, and with the money he made from that film, invested it in Enter the yeah. Void and made the film that was in his mind's eye from and, the beginning. And I think Enter the Void is actually one of the most expensive movies like ever oh, made, ever. ever, one of the most, I think it was like the highest budget. made. I think it was uh, one of the More highest budget. Transformers 2? No, 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 French. More than... Dark of the no, Moon? No, the highest budget French film oh, ever made. Oh, okay, yeah, because it, uh, it is a foreign-produced film, although it is in English. Yeah, yeah. So all you people, I can't stand the <laughs> subtitles. I don't like reading the subtitles. Don't worry, there's no subtitles here, you fucking morons. Surprisingly, which is... But... Yeah, but it is an American character in yeah. a foreign setting. Although you would never tell the film is from France because it takes place in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, so. that's another weird thing. <laughs> it's a French director, French film, yeah. in English in Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, I don't even want to say anything about the opening credit sequence. Like, you have to see it to yeah, believe it. Best opening. There isn't Quentin Tarantino say nothing about yeah, it's it. It's funny it? because when I was – after I had made my lists, I was looking at other filmmakers who had made top ten lists of the year – and the one film that kept showing up on everybody's list was Enter the Void. <laughs> it's and like Edgar Wright's list had it. Quentin Tarantino's list had it. Uh, a few other guys, too, that I had read after the fact. All had Enter the Void on the list, and I was like, wow. See, it, must, it had more of a profound impact yeah. on just me. And that's because it's such a groundbreaking film. It, it, I would say that if we had a list of... Uh, best experiences of films, it would be yes. number one on both uh, our lists. Absolutely. Because I mean, it's... it's such a cohesive, uh, cohesive like feel to the film. Yeah. Like the way he's presenting the story, he's not backing down. He's doing exactly the way he wants. He's it. doing exactly how he envisioned it, and I have even more respect for him now. The Gaspar yeah. Noe, the, uh, I the mean, inventor of this I film. I, I mean, he seemed like a good filmmaker after Irreversible, but it just yeah. seemed like a good film. You weren't necessarily thinking this is a great, great filmmaker, but right. 
I think after Enter the Void, he's gonna he's one of the best working today. Yeah, and trust me, his work now is gonna be very closely followed by like mm-hmm. real film people now for yeah. a while. He's gonna he's gonna get like a he's getting a huge following. You know, uh, Lars von Trier, like some you know a, yeah. a, a following of, those, like, of that way. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, absolutely. And, and uh, I mean, do you even want to say like how it's shot? Like what? Yeah, I don't know if I should. I feel like giving yeah. it away or. But that's like a huge part yeah, of the yeah, film. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't think I want to say like what makes it unique from other films, but I think you should just you go just see have it. To, it's an experience. It's a long film, so you got to sit down. It's a long film, but it's worth every second. <laughs> it's just a visual marvel. It really is. I've never seen like a. Yeah. I I might even. I mean, go he, as far as I've never seen a better like film visually than this. This is like. He he had yeah he, he had a lot of similar ways in which he moved the camera in irreversible. Think of that if you ever seen that film. Think of what he does How in the beginning of that film. film. How many shots? There's like isn't like something like twelve shots in that film. Irreversible. Yeah, like, there's like a very there's like twelve <laughs> cuts that whole film, uh, and it's not like Children of Men like oh we're gonna sleekly edit it. It's like uh, legitimate like twelve takes. Yeah. Uh, irreversible. If you think about how that shot at the beginning of that film, think of that. It entered void times mm-hmm. ten, colored all purple and <laughs> neon. And such. But just the tracking shots mm-hmm. too throughout the film. But most of the film, there's no dialogue. Even. Yeah, that's the kind that's of it's an experience. That's it's the like, thing that makes it different than American big budget films because oh, this is absolutely. a huge budget. They, yep. If you've seen this, think of the tracking shots, the things they had to build, yep. to, the sets they had to build, sure. the you know the cranes they had to bring in to do this film, and it's. It's not an everyday normal picture. Let me tell you that. It's but not it's, a. Uh, it's not a Hollywood blockbuster by any means. Not at all. But if you're into film and like, like you know, if you like the same type of stuff yeah. that we like, you're, you're gonna love this. You film. don't even have to even like this film. Tell the truth to no, to no. appreciate it. You'll to appreciate still respect how respect the crap out of it after you see it. Absolutely. Good. To, yeah. You. You I mean you could think it's you know not like a film on that level on a you know on the level of what it's trying to get to you, but right. just how it's made and how it's done, you have to respect the filmmaker. And maybe if we get uh, some reaction, if anyone sees this film, we can discuss it more in detail. Right now, we kind of want everyone to kind of discover it. Uh, if you have Netflix, you can watch it right now. It's streaming on Netflix. Enter the Void. Uh, watch it and then let us know what you think. Email us at uh, what do you want to email us at? Uh, oh, yeah, podcast, podcast at ghostoffilm.com. Shoot us your thoughts about Enter the Void or any other films that you've seen that you think are real experiences as films and just really go beyond the calling of your traditional, like, moving picture that really, you know, achieve an experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you happen to catch into the void, let us know what you think of that as well, because we are very anxious to hear what other people out there think of this Marvel. Yeah, and maybe you may think it's like a little late for a top ten list, but it really, it really is not, because these films have yeah, to sink in. Um, yeah, people who make—I mean, I always find it weird when people make their top ten list. You know, the day of the year ends. Yeah, like, I never really understood that either. You need some distance. You yeah. need to see all the movies first. I mean, I guess if you see them all, <laughs> but you gotta—you gotta be able to digest this stuff. All right. Uh, all right, so Never my fun. next film is actually the last film that uh, was is exclusive to my list. Though I must say, on any given day, this film could be very high in my top. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, I decided not to, but it's a great right. film. It's all right. It's good to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that film is The Fighter. Mm-hmm. David O. Russell. Marky Mark is in it. <laughs> Batman's in it. <laughs> Just think of Marky Mark and it. Batman in one film. Conan O'Brien's sister is in it. <laughs> yep. Uh, 
The Fighter. Now, the reason why The Fighter is on my list is I love the story. Mm-hmm. I love the acting. Melissa oh, Leo acting especially was Probably fantastic. my favorite part of the movie. And Christian Bale also gave the performance of his life. I he actually particularly loved off. Mark Wahlberg, believe it or not. Like he, even he though he gets too. the lead, even though he, a lot of people think he was, but he was very understated. That's what was so great about that him. was that was the thing. He took like a back seat to the mm-hmm. supporting characters, which was very interesting to yeah, see. Because that's kind of also the style of the film was these over the top characters. Like it's very stylized yeah. in that Absolutely. way. Like it, it wasn't super serious. This yeah, film he seems to be like the most normal out of like the cast of characters. So he kind of takes like the, mm-hmm. you know, the and that's kind of where. Because like, Mark Wahlberg actually in a lot of films usually is not the normal guy. He's usually the he's amped usually, up kind of guy. He's usually the guy, except for Departed, I guess. Well, he was amped up in Departed. Well, he was, yeah, <laughs> you're right. He was, he was roided up for that. So, but I liked in the fighter. He was kind of like a nice guy. Yeah, very a, uh, a little different. He's a very true guy. And uh, another reason why I included this film also is I really liked the the fight scenes because mm-hmm. the way they were shot, it was very, it was a risk for sure. The way they shot it, um, they shot it like you were actually watching a boxing match. Whatever <laughs> digital film they would use for that, like the HBO like Fight yeah. Night or whatever, or uh, at Boxing After Dark, whatever they call it, they use that same like video like, shot on video style yeah. shot on video style for the boxing scenes. Which I thought was very very cool and just very effective. Uh, yeah, and, and it, actually, the uh, I mean, it's barely even a true story. Yeah, yeah. So it's I mean, also pretty interesting. It's barely a boxing movie, actually. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of like uh, but, more of a character study in like the effects I mean, of crack on. Yeah, the, but on the boxing movie. movies are probably always the best kinds of sports movies because yeah, for of whatever reason, man. They are. And, and I think it's because boxers like have a certain character to them, and they usually come up through a lot of tough times. A lot of right. boxers because there's they, a lot of adversity, the there's a lot of conflict, yeah. sure. There's a lot of training that goes into like being that good. Yeah. It's also an individual, and it's all leading up. I mean, boxers they train forever and lead up to yeah. one fight every few months, and yeah. it's not, you know, there's a lot of preparation that leads up to it. So that's why I think they make such good character films, and obviously Christian Bale plays the biggest character in the film and yeah. won the Oscar for his performance. He was worlds be. <laughs> I, I still feel worlds beyond any other actor in that category. And that was a pretty good crop this year too. But he really just became his character, and he deserved every award he got this season, which was every award. <laughs> All right, so moving on, my number four film of the year was The King's Speech, for reasons that we mentioned before. The exception, the only gripe I had was, you know, the kid's not aging. Non-aging children. Number three film of the year was The Social Network, for, again, reasons we said before. And uh, the elephant in the room, the 900-pound elephant gorilla in the room. Number four, which um, not three. Oh, no, oh, no, yeah. oh yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. going to talk network. about it. Oh, yeah. We're not, we're not talking about it. But that's another reason why the Social Network was so high on my list. My number two film, which is man, with top three, is actually going to be identical. <laughs> the Black Swan, not the Black Swan, Black Swan. <laughs> that's that's the people who don't know what the movie is. Oh, oh have oh, you seen the Black, the Black Swan? Swan? Oh, it might be a mockbuster. It's like the Black Swan. <laughs> it's like some like like C yeah. movie about like uh, yeah. Like Transmorphers or something. Or it could just be like a documentary about Black Swan. Battle of Los Angeles instead of Battle of yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Mockbuster. Oh, we should have an episode on the, the oh, Mockbuster. Oh, yeah, it's actually... A, oh, the Mockbuster. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, all, it's, a, yeah, it's all one company. It's called uh, some really stupid name. They read that the other day. I was like... Dumb yeah, they do. Awesome. Yeah, I was talking about that with this, a friend of mine or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Black Swan. 
the physical embodiment of an emotional state is what sets this film apart and puts it so high on my list because I have never seen a film that achieves this goal so successfully as Black Swan does. And major props to Aronofsky. A lot of haters for this film. I feel like a lot of people might not understand it or might not want to understand it or want to take things at the surface. But, I mean, to me and you, right away, we walked out of the theater knowing exactly what we just saw and appreciating it a thousand times more because we knew exactly what Aronofsky was attempting to do. Yep. And it wasn't to create a linear narrative with characters and character development. and It was to showcase the emotional manifestation in physical form. Sure. And my number one film, as it was my number one for my half-year mark last year, Man Som Tarkip Norm, Men Who Hate Women, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, whatever you want to call it, uh, Numi Rapace was phenomenal as uh, Lisbeth Salander. Salander. And uh, really, the biggest surprise for me for 2010, uh, and the, uh, the greatest success for me as well in 2010. Mm, great way to put it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so that is both our top 10 lists for the year 2010, 2010, however you like to say 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, 2010, and, uh, brother, I will say, this year has uh, gotten off to a uh, pretty uh, slow start. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, it has gotten off to a pretty slow start. I mean, we haven't. We, I don't even think we, we weren't say in it. We weren't. Slow. It's very slow. We weren't start. in attendance at South by Southwest or any of that. We thing. weren't so any maybe, of the festivals. So maybe we haven't any seen anything films. yet. But as far as what's actually come out in theaters, there really has not been anything close to good. I'd just like to give a quick rundown of the films I've seen in theaters uh, this year. So sure far. thing. First of all, you should be able to tell by the the lack of films that. Uh, we really are at yeah. a. Uh, we at one point saw seventy. At one point, scarcity. At one point, me sometimes. and Andrew saw seventy films in theaters in one year. So that is I how much. How many I had? Like, I had a lot. Last that year. is how many movies we tend to go see. So last year we didn't even see that many. Yeah, yeah last we saw, year we saw way over seventy some years. Yeah. So now That's think think money. think now think about uh now think. that when seeing this list of how many number of films you've seen this year. <laughs> now I feel like I must describe the first one. Every year, I I give this stipulation to my girlfriend. I'll I will see one chick flick with you, <laughs> just to show my appreciation for our relationship and whatever. And of course, she always retorts with, "If you really, uh, if you really want to be with me, you'd watch all the movies I want to watch." <laughs> I'd be like, "No, I'm only going to watch one per year." <laughs> Thank goodness I don't have to deal with that. Well, to be fair, to be fair, she is extremely intelligent in film, like very well versed. Oh yeah, has incredible taste, but also is a sucker for like you know the Notebook. Oh, of course. Uh, A couple years ago, we saw the Time Traveler's Wife. That was my chick flick of that year. Last year, my chick flick was the Bounty Hunter. Oh, don't worry, Dana has hers. Rent. I had to watch Rent, but you know it's okay. I watch it with her. Uh, And this year, the film was No Strings Attached. 
Which wouldn't have been that bad because Natalie Portman's kind of cute. Yeah, she does look really. She did look yeah, really she's good. Perky. In the, in the, the only thing is she doesn't do nudity, so it's kind of like, uh, what's the point? Uh, uh, I can Even imagine. in, uh, I didn't see it, obviously, but uh, Your Highness, she actually had like an ass double, even though it wasn't like bare ass. It was just like thong <laughs> ass, I think. Somehow, in like the Middle Ages, they had. Oh, that. she's a uh, she's smart. She doesn't want to do that. Yeah. But I think she's actually retiring from acting after when I hear to like start her family. And, yeah, well. Oh, I guess you win the Oscar. Like, oh, all right, see you yeah, later. Yeah, what is she going to the sunset? She could. Then she she is in like every she movie be a this professor. year. No strings attached. You know, she that's probably why. She was in every she's film. She's in another movie. She, she needed, was in Your Highness. Knowing she needed to get a lot of money, so she just yeah. retired. <laughs> she's going to be in uh, that, uh, what's it, Hesher. Yeah, yeah, she is she's in history, surprisingly. Too. I don't know. Yeah, where. she's in everything this year. She gets the uh, the Michael Madsen Award for being in every film of the year. <laughs> she does. She, get, she gets the uh, Michael Madsen Award. So a uh, No Strings Attached, actually an Ivan Reitman film. Surprisingly. A, a Mr. Uh, Ghostbuster. Yeah, uh, he hasn't made a film in years. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I knew this film was going to be bad as soon as I saw who the main actor was in this film. That's Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher. I mean, other than Ashton Kutcher, it didn't look... Terrible. Like it looks like it could have been like. It wasn't, not, it wasn't uh, hard. It wasn't as bad as the Bounty Hunter. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That was one of the worst films I've ever seen. Mostly because of the geographical inconsistencies of the Long Island highway system. Okay, okay, okay. okay. That's a story <laughs> for I won't day. get into that. That's a whole other topic. Uh, no strings attached. Uh, put any other actor besides for Gerard Butler in. Uh, that's another one of my most hated actors. Yeah. In uh, Ashton Kutcher's role, it might have been a tolerable film. Mm-hmm. But he just makes me hate everything. I hate Ashton Kutcher. He's well, he never does. That. He actor. never does anything of no any range. Influence. Never is and never has even been anything remotely considered good. Uh, I mean, the most interesting thing he did was the butterfly effect. If you want to say yeah, interesting, I mean, it's interesting. It. Interesting. They had like weird, like child pornography, yeah. like undertones. But I mean, it's like not his one non-leading man role he's ever done. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd say that. Uh, but no, I mean, no strings attached. It is what it is. Like you know, I wasn't expecting anything more from it. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, I just did that to appease the woman and uh, and got that out of the way early. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, the second film I saw this year was a film called Bereavement. Uh, it was a horror film, quote unquote, by a Long Island native, Mister Stephen Mena, who also did uh, who also shot the film, edited the film, did the music for the film. I was like, let me sounds go like support me. this guy. Yeah, right. Sounds <laughs> like us. <laughs> Uh, it's like yeah, let me go support this guy. It's supposed to be like a decent horror film. No, no, didn't do it. Right. It was one of those horror movies where like the the killer worships like you know like an inanimate object and like it tells him to do things. It's no. like that's just oh, man, oh, tough break. And it was interesting because like the film starts off like he had, he like kidnaps like this young kid to like take him along like on his murders and like ends up turning the kid into a killer too, which is a little interesting. But the fact that he gets his instructions from, like, a fucking cattle skull, it's kind of <laughs> stupid. I was like, eh, it's kind of dumb. And everyone dies in it, so I just ruined the whole movie. Everyone, <laughs> everyone dies, except the kid. Okay. Everyone dies. So, uh, everyone dies. Bereavement, everyone dies, everyone except dies. the kid. The killer worships a cow skull, and it's from a Long Island native, and you don't need to see it. All right, everyone so uh, next film. Next film. I'm not going to say this film was that bad, because I, I kind of knew what it was going in. Insidious. James Wan film. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Now, uh, James Wan did the original Saw, which I still hold. We talked about in a horror podcast. As uh, I mean, a lot of people have problems with it, mostly because it spawned all the sequels. Yeah. Uh, I still really enjoyed the film in terms of all the technical elements, the music. And the story was a little weak, you know, a little twist at the end, whatever. Um, 
But all of his work since has been very weak. He had this movie Dead, Dead Silence, Silence, which I didn't even really ever see. Uh, I think that he needed to. Kevin Bacon. It was just ripping off that uh, that R.L. Stein book. What? Yeah, R.L. <laughs> Stein. What was the movie we saw with John Goodman and like the hockey team? John Goodman and Kevin Bacon, team. like the hockey. Oh, and yeah. the kid gets killed and he like has to like avenge his death. Oh yeah, death death sentence. Death something. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, not the not the proudest moment of James Wan's career. Not the proudest moment of Kevin Bacon's career. Uh, Insidious. See, the thing is, like, it could have been a lot better if there was, like, not, like, a stupid part towards the end. Yeah. The whole part was actually legitimately, some parts were, like, legitimately, like, freaky. And, like, it was pretty relentless, like, in terms of scares, like, almost like Exorcist, kind of, like, some of the stuff that just, like, flashed on screen quick. Pretty effective in terms of scares, but, I mean, it's it's, it's just a gimmick, though. You can, like, kind of see right through it. I mean, it it definitely entertained me. I'll give it that. But there was really no like underlying substance to it. It was just more like, oh, we're gonna scare you because we can, not because there's any reason to, you know. So, and also paranormal activity, like that's like a big thing now. Is the producers of that like we're big on that too? Oh, yeah, that's so, another um, film you saw this year, right? What did you see that film this year? Paranormal activity came out two years ago. Oh no, two, two, two. Nice try, because paranormal activity two came out last year. And I'm oh, sure Paranormal Activity 3 will come out this year. <laughs> Shows how little scene. It's like the new saw. It's like oh yeah, let's set up a baby monitor. And have not real footage. Right. Anyway, next film. After that, I saw Source Code, Duncan Jones film, who's most notably uh, responsible for <laughs> he, Moon, and AKA being David Bowie. Yeah, son. which is weird. Uh, yeah, now, I feel like a lot of people are on his mule about the films he makes. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, Duncan Jones is awesome director." First of all, Moon. Maybe because I, I was like falling asleep during it. I was, I really was not by Moon. Moon was okay. I mean, it wasn't I it was bad. A overrated. Everyone was I, like, "Oh, best film." I, I did think it was a bit I overrated. I mean, there was some interesting stuff to it, but I did think it was a little overrated. I definitely think it was a little overrated. I mean, it was kind of hard to follow. I mean, even if you get it, like, it, it was still kind of like, yeah. And everyone's really saying, everyone's saying, Duncan Jones is on. Is going to be doing like I forget which film he's going to be supposed to be doing. Yeah, 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 like the, the new Wolverine movie. He's All like, right, the, I mean, let him have his little career. I mean, but. Yeah. He's not like an Aronofsky. Everyone's yeah. trying to make him out to be like, oh, the next big guy. Like yeah. Kubrick or something. It's like, I don't know. No way. I mean, he doesn't seem like a bad filmmaker, but he doesn't seem no, like a... No, but Source Code definitely confirms, like, he, yeah. it's... He's... He's not going to be anything that special. He's not going to sell movies by his name alone. He's not going to develop a cult following just based on his name. Yeah. Source Code is pretty, uh... Uninspiring. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, was, I, was, I had pretty high hopes going in. I heard a lot of good things about it. But I think people are a little bit biased I mean, by the looked, name of the person directing the I film. I think it, look, it looked like one of those movies that oh, could be interesting. It has an interesting could idea. Be. Because I just always like not, movies where there's like... But it's just that idea. It's nothing else. Yeah. I, I always like movies that... Like a run, Lola, run where like things happen and then you can go back and then things happen but like different ways yeah. like to change things. Like run, Lola, run I think is one of the best films that does like that sort of structure. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. What do you call that? Is that like a film term for that? Uh, what? Not like the Rashomon. Well, kind of like that effect. Because like yeah. different. Di- oh, I understand. More like different people telling it, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. a time travel type of scenario. But this one was like too, it was too like sci fi for its own good. Mm-hmm. And like it tried to like explain. I hate movies that try and explain everything scientifically. It's, just, it's like, what's the point? Like, that's why we always say Night of the Living Dead is like one of our favorite, like, horror movies ever because they don't really even try and explain like oh this zombie virus like caused by these mutagen mutagens and whatever it's like 
No, they say so, something briefly about radiation is to shut people up, but they don't really go into like the scientific reason for why things are going to hell. You know, so I like movies that don't try and explain too much. And Source Code, I felt like tried to have a little bit too much, and the ending kind of made no sense. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, whatever. Uh, the next one I saw was Scream Four. Again, you know exactly what you're going to get when you go into that. Entertaining, but I mean, it's not something I'd be like, oh, you have to see this film. Like last year, Girl the Dragon Tattoo. That was my movie. I was like. You have to see this movie. Like everyone I saw was like, you have to see this. And uh, my last film I saw this year, we saw it together, win-win. Win-win. Again, I had very high hopes for this film. Paul Giamatti has become one of my favorite actors that's uh, currently yeah. out there working today. Always usually making great films. Barney's version Which, actually was number 11 yeah, was, on my top 10 yeah, this year. Yeah, I was having an 11th that. film that I don't put on. Yeah. But uh, that, was, that was an amazing film. I saw that when I was down in, uh, in Texas. But uh, yeah, it was... A great film, but win-win, unfortunately, it just, it was too indie for its own good. If it would have focused a little more on the wrestling aspect, it could have been a lot more of a successful film, I feel like. I, yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it wasn't, was not a bad film, but it was, it was definitely flat. Yeah, it was flat and but Paul Giamatti, a lazy, if you ask me, a little lazy in terms of the writing. Yeah, I would say so, too. But Paul Giamatti was, you know, there was really some scenes in there who was really good, and it was, like, surprising because the film itself was yeah, he, okay he at parts, but he was most just, of the show he was in, for sure. But, I mean, he's always fantastic. And that kid was pretty good, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know his name, but... Yeah, the blonde kid. <laughs> but he was really... Let us call him that blonde kid. He was definitely interesting, and, like, the, his yeah, re- wrestling scenes were awesome. Yeah, that's the one thing. I wish there was more of the wrestling stuff, but that ended up being, like, kind of a, a backstory that yeah. never got any more attention. <laughs> they spent a lot of time building it up, and then, like, nothing happened with it, which is yeah. really bothered me. Maybe that was the point of the film, but that's just a pretty lame point. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I would say the the movie definitely goes out with a whimper. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It starts off like pretty promising, and the fucking film reel broke because our theater lost power. Oh, yeah. but that didn't have anything to do with our experience. We just no. didn't like the end. No. Maybe they accidentally put the wrong reel on for the end. It was like, oh, we're gonna show you the alternate ending. No one liked. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, that's the real ending. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's it for all the films I've seen. It shows Maybe. you how. And fucked up of a year it's been yeah I think I've pretty much seen mostly everything you've seen except yeah. nothing you've seen <laughs> like <laughs> whatever yeah uh, the only other scene that I, I'll mention it because it is my favorite film of the year so far right. is a film I saw which actually directed by a professor of mine which uh, had a very limited theatrical run mm-hmm. but uh, I got a pretty good review from Roger Ebert it was uh, nice. it's called uh, Loveless Cool, cool. And uh, it's got a 7.2 on IMDb, so it's pretty good. Out of three votes? <laughs> out of... Uh, Yours being one of them. <laughs> it says, uh, yeah, out of five votes. Mine, I don't know if... I, I don't think I reviewed this one, actually. I did not. So my vote was not one of them. Is it really five votes? <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> Critics, eight reviews. Oh, I was just kidding. That's great. But, uh, yeah, but actually uh, really enjoyed it. It's about a kind of this guy who's kind of... Uh, like the title says, like loveless, lost in, mm. lost in finding love and lost in himself, and uh, it's, a, it's it is a character study, but it's uh, and it's you know, we it's the kind of thing we've seen before, but I actually think it's uh, really funny and uh, really nice. well done. So that's all I really say about that. And uh, well, here's hoping to a uh, better. I, I think I think help is on the way. Yeah, uh, we got Tree of Life coming in a couple of weeks, which is guaranteed to be incredible. Uh, we are extremely <laughs> excited for uh, Terrence Malick. Obviously, hasn't made a film in a long time, and 
What's his DP's name again? Oh uh, well, the well his DP. He always works on a different DP except for last the last two films, and that is uh, why am I forgetting his name? The New World, the Children of Men, the Dude from Children of Men. That's what I'm saying. Emmanuel Lubezki. Yes, that's right. Lubezki. I knew that. Yes. He's brilliant. And the cinematography in the trailer just looks fantastic. Hopefully I can get over my hatred for Sean Penn and uh, have not have that rule in the film. Only because he's betting Scarlett Johansson at the moment, and I just yeah, find that a little creepy. Yeah, but I mean, everything Emmanuel Lubezki does has been unbelievable looking. I mean, yeah, E2 Mama Tambien, Sleepy yeah, Hollow, yeah. which Lemony Lim- Snicket, which when I when I saw Lemony Snicket originally, I thought like I was, I I thought. I thought it looked amazing, like, and this is I before I was a huge film fan. Oh yeah, yeah back, uh, in, back in 2004, and uh, the first thing that jumped out at me was how like amazing the cinematography was, and huh. it was the same, of course. One of those guys that just has a handle on his craft mm-hmm. for sure. Yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, what else? I mean, there's a couple other interesting things coming out this year, but he did. Uh, what was the other one? What's the Coen Brothers movie? Yeah, yeah, he did uh, Burn After Reading. Oh, he did. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Children, Children of Men was fantastic. Children of Men, of course. Was... Probably his best work. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, we got some more coming out later. We have another Elmo Devar film, which looks pretty good, too. Uh, that guy is keeps yeah, he also does like also. A, a Woody Allen's got a couple so. coming out this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Woody Allen's new one looks interesting uh, as well. well. We'll have another podcast about our most anticipated films of the year once we get like a list together. But th- this year's Cans like, looks really good. Oh yeah, but didn't Tree of Life miss Ken? Like it was no, supposed it's gonna to. Be there. I thought I thought I heard it's gonna miss the. the I don't know. I read that it's gonna be there. That it was gonna. There are a lot uh, of foreign miss. films this year, which is gonna be. It's gonna be good to see, you know, because those are typically the ones that are, you know, the best films that we see anyway. So oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely be a welcomed uh, addition to see some more. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're back, as you can tell. Uh, I don't know when our next podcast will be, officially. We're not going to do it on a weekly basis, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully within the next couple of weeks we can throw another one together for everybody. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to be back. Obviously, we're both still a little bit busy wrapping up school, wrapping up you know work and stuff. Uh, for more free time is on the way, though, at least in my immediate future. So Yes. Uh, definitely want to get back to doing this, talking to you all out there. Yep. Getting your feedback on uh, on everything, too, so we can have more discussions on uh, future podcasts. Sure thing. Again, you can email us at uh, podcast at ghostoffilm.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll leave you with a song, as we typically do. Oh, we just don't typically do it, but we'll do it this time. <laughs> new new year, new <laughs> rules. New year, new decade, new rules. Uh, so what song would that be? Well, I guess we can finish off the way the album, my new album, finishes off. Sure thing. Uh, we can do the tune, uh, The End of the World, or A Relic from Our Ghosts. Cool. All right. So we'll end with that. We'll end with that. And uh, yeah. are we going to come back and say any words after that, or is this the end? I think let's let's leave it at this. We haven't done this before. Let's leave it at this. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, for Daniel Tavares, I'm Andrew Obredo. We're signing off. Ghost Film, Episode 6, complete.